church, can we celebrate those who just went public with their faith last week at water baptism? Hey, way to go. If that's you, we're so proud of you. Way to make that major decision in your life. And and some of you are in the room and you said, Pastor, I need to do that. I've given my life to Jesus, but I've never publicly declared my faith in him. Well, the good news is that we celebrate baptism the third Sunday of every month here at Trinity. And all you have to do is let us know of your decision in the connection card, either online, just click it, or in the seat back in front of you if you're in the room. And just let us know, hey, I need to be water baptized. A pastor, a member of our staff will reach out to you, answer all the questions that you have. And we would love to celebrate. We would love to be a part of your journey in following following Jesus. Um, Hey, before I begin the message, let me just look in the camera and give a big shout out to each and every one of you who are online right now joining us, whether live or maybe you watch it later throughout the week on our online campus, or you watch it on our YouTube channel, or you're watching it on Facebook, however, whatever, whenever, we want you to know that we love you, we miss you, we long for the day for you to come back and join us in the room. In fact, church family, come on, let them know how awesome it is in the room. Would you, would you let them know? That? Yeah, but, but we miss you, and we love you. And we're longing for the day. Hey, if you haven't already, um, download the app. Everything Trinity Church is right there at your fingertips. Connection cards, prayer request opportunities. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. Um, All upcoming events are right there as well, which just brings me to two really important things real quick to start us off. Uh, But VBS is coming the middle of June. Uh, VBS is by far the largest event that we'll do all summer long on our campus. And, And Pastor Julie told me last week, this is really exciting news, but we already, with the reservations, the registrations that have come in, we will be at capacity this year. Like there's no doubt about it. And we're all kind of surprised by that. So I'm telling you this, like we will say no because we have to to keep people safe and rooms, just there's only a certain amount of kids we can actually allow to be on our campus at one time. So I'm telling you this now, that you need to register, reserve your spot for your kids. If you wanna bring a neighbor, coworker, family, whatever, like share it out right now, let them know, hey, spots are filling up. We are running out of spaces. Um, That way you can make sure you're a part of this most incredible the incredible week all summer long for your kids. And if you wanna serve, you wanna make a difference in the life of a child this summer, um, on the app, there is some opportunities for you as well. And we'll welcome, there's so many different things from kitchen to games, to being a counselor type for for the week. There's, There's a place for you. Um, on VBS or during VBS week. And also this isn't on the screen, but just to let you know, guys, coming middle of June, we're having an event at Top, Top Golf. Um, it's a chance just to hang out. We'd love to invite you. It's in the app, save the day. You'll hear more about this in the next couple, in the next couple of weeks. Okay, if you haven't already, download your sermon notes. Let's continue in our series Come and See. This is the seventh part of this eight-week series. Next week we finish it. And we're studying the book of John. Um, This book was written by one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his disciples. It was written by John. This is before pre-marketing firm days, right? John wrote it. Let's just call it John. No creativity needed. But John wrote this book. And John had a front row seat to the ministry of Jesus. John was not just a disciple, but he was in the the inner circle. He saw the conversations, witnessed what Jesus was doing. And all throughout the book of John, we're invited to come and see this Jesus. And that's been our invitation for you. Not to come and see what your friends say, to come and see what you read one time on Facebook or the History Channel or a documentary. No, come and see, fresh eyes, 
come and see this Jesus for yourself. And I've been promising you, if you come and see, you lay down your defenses, you come and experience Jesus, just one moment in his presence can completely change your life. And we come to the end of John chapter 14, and Jesus says, hey, I don't have much time. He's talking to his disciples. I don't have much time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. Well, who's, who's he talking about here? He's talking about Satan. That, that Satan has influenced Judas, and Judas is going to betray me, and all of these things are going to, going to unfold. It's, he's coming, he's approaching, but he has no power over me. But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, come, let's be going. And then you have to ask yourself the question, well, where are they going? Like, what, what's, he, what's he talking about? Well, as the story is about to unfold, they're going to the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is under such stress and under such pressure that his capillaries begin to burst and he's literally sweating drops of blood because he's under so much stress. And there in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Judas will betray him and his disciples will fall asleep and all of this kind of unfolds and then Jesus is taken away for the crucifixion later in the week. But before they go, Jesus looks at his disciples and he gives them his longest teaching that's recorded in the book of John. In John chapter 15, Jesus begins this teaching. And I just want you to know, if this is the last thing that Jesus is telling his disciples, and it's the longest thing he wants to like, move to them, like, it is really important that we pay attention to this. So Jesus goes to John chapter 15, Jesus continues, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. We'll talk about this in just a few moments. Then he says in verse four, remain in me as also remain in you, that no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on in this passage, and I'm gonna to try to break it down for you, but here's really important things you need to know. That Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, and God the Father, he is the gardener. And to help me illustrate this, I'm gonna use a, a illustration that I didn't come up with. Several pastors have used this. I think it's just so great. I just wanna relay it to you. But this is Buddy Branch. Buddy, everybody say hi to Buddy Branch. Hi, hi, Buddy Branch. And you and I are like Buddy Branch. He's cool. Buddy Branch, in fact, is so cool. He has an Instagram and he knows what all the popular things are happening. He just, he is up to date with it all. And Buddy Branch realizes one morning, man, I really need to up my game. So I'm gonna go to Santan Mall and I'm gonna get some new clothes and some new shoes. And so he goes to Santan Mall and he gets swagged out. I think that's what the young kids are saying today. Like he gets his outfit, man, it just looks so good. And he realizes for any outfit to really look good, you just can't have good clothes. I'm gonna help some people out today. Your shoe game is just as important. Uh, you can have good clothes, but if you don't got good shoes, like, mm, man, how, I'm, a, I'm helping some brothers out today. Your wives, you are welcome. Go spend 40 bucks, buy some new shoes. So he realizes, I need some Yeezy 350s. Now, if you don't know what Yeezy 350s are, 
Yeezys are a brand of Adidas that are created, designed by the artist Kanye West. A, a gray pair of Yeezy 350s will cost you $20,000. Some of you just passed out. Like, a pastor, I didn't even pay $20,000 for my first house. Like, I'm a... So, Buddy Branch, though, he, he's, he's more frugal. He's like you and me. He got the tan ones. It doesn't really match, but he got the tan ones. He only spent $2,000 on his Yeezy 350s. And he realizes, man, I got my game now. Now I need to stay connected to my friends and my family. And so he goes out and he buys the latest and greatest iPhone. $120 a month, no interest, all these types of things. And he just, man, now I've got my game. Now people can stay connected with me. And he sees his clothes, he sees his shoes and his phone. He's like, you know what else I need? I need a new car. So he goes to the BMW dealership and he buys, no, he doesn't buy, he leases a car for only 10,000 miles a year. I mean, he can't drive it anywhere, but at least it looks really, really good. And he gets $5,000 or $500 a month, but $5,000 due at signing, 1,000 for license fees, registrations, all of the fees may apply, but he has his car. And he's like, woo, look at me, look at how awesome I am. I know what I need. I need a girlfriend. And he meets this girl, Barbie, and they hit it off. And they just have this relationship and man, everybody, woo. And he realizes now that I have a girl and I have this car and my phone and I'm swagged out, I probably need a job to pay for all of this stuff. And he lands his dream job. He's at a desk, it has a window. And you just think, oh my goodness, his life has come together. And then he and Barbie have a discussion one night and they realize, you know what's missing in our home? We need a puppy. And so they go and they get this black lab and then they go on this pursuit to live happy and to be fulfilled. But here's, here's the question that I have for you today. In this story, is Buddy Branch happy? Is Buddy Branch, is he fulfilled? See, no, he's not. Because every day at 3 p.m., because he's on it so much, his phone dies and they can't seem to figure it out. He doesn't have enough money to buy a new one. So it just constantly has to remain charged. Barbie has left him for some guy named Ken. I mean, I have no idea why, but she's gone and his credit score is terrible. He's $50,000 in debt. He hates his job now, his boss is such a jerk and he came home last night and his brand new puppy chewed and peed on his Yeezy shoes. I mean, it's just a terrible, terrible thing. Here's the problem, right? That Buddy Branch, he attached all of his worth and all of his fulfillment and all of his joy on all of these things, but he completely missed his purpose in life. Hey, look at me, your purpose in life is not to build a business, is not to make a bunch of money, it's not to retire early. And by the way, nothing wrong with those things. I hope that you're able to do, to do them all. But your purpose in life is all about connecting to your creator. And when you're not connecting to your creator, you begin to attach your worth, your value, all these things on all of these temporary things that will ultimately leave you unfulfilled and with no joy. 
This is why Jesus says, if you wanna be, have purpose, if you wanna have this joy in your life, you have to stay connected to the vine. This, this, this is what Jesus says, remain in me as also I remain in you and no branch can bear fruit by itself. Apart from Jesus, no fruit can, no, no branch can bear fruit. But we try to, don't we? Tomorrow morning, we're gonna wake up at 6 a.m. And we're gonna roll over and we're gonna get on our phone and we're gonna check our emails and go to our social media and see what we missed. And if we're lucky, we'll cram in a quick workout before the kids get up. And then we'll get the kids ready for school and then we'll bring them to school or drop them off at the bus. And then we will go to our office and we'll have meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And then we'll come home and then we'll yell at our kids to make sure they get their homework done. Which by the way, thank you that school is over everybody. Fourth grade math, really difficult, just so you know. Like yell at our kids, get this stuff done. And then after their homework is done, then we'll rush them to gymnastics and rush them to football practice and all of these things that fill our schedule. And while they're at practice, then we'll run to Costco and do some errands and then we'll cram in some food just to be able to survive. And then we'll get back home and we'll make sure our kids finish their homework. And once that's done, we'll get them into bed. And if we're lucky, we'll plop ourselves down for one hour in front of the TV and watch our favorite Netflix show. And then we'll repeat that cycle the next day. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Or, or maybe that's not your life stage. Maybe you're a young adult, college student, and tomorrow morning, alarm's gonna go off and you're late for class and you rush off to class and because it's such a long night before, after class, you come home and you take a nap. <laughs> and after you wake up from your nap, you put in a pizza into the oven and you eat your pizza and then you're still tired, so you take another nap. And by the time the afternoon rolls around, you get up and then you work on your homework. And after your homework is finished, then you go and hang out with your friends for several hours and you repeat that day after day after day. Does that sound familiar? And here's what I know, regardless of what life stage you're in, there will come a point when you will ask yourself the question, it may be right before you fall asleep. It may be in the carpool lane at your kid's school. You will ask this question at some point in your life. You will ask, is, is this all there is? Is this what I'm living my life for day after day after day of doing the same exact thing? Am I living my life for what culture tells me is acceptable and what's normal, you'll catch yourself saying, man, I have all this stuff, but I'm unfulfilled. We, we, we live in an age where we hear this a lot. Just follow your dreams. Like the dreams that are in your heart, just, just go after them. And, and by the way, nothing wrong with dreams. I, I, I preach it this way. Like my goal as your pastor is to help you achieve the dreams that God is putting in your heart. That, that's, I get no greater joy than watching you go into ministry and living a fulfilled life. But with all of this talk, young people, listen to me, with all of this talk about fulfill your dreams, fulfill your dreams, fulfill your dreams, fulfill your dreams, you have to ask yourself the question, like where is God in all of this? Christine Kane, a great author and speaker, 
about this subject has said, we have raised a generation to follow their dreams, but we've neglected to teach them how to follow Jesus. And then she comes along and says something like this, that when you follow Christ, guess what happens? Your dreams will follow you. Isn't that a great thought? It's what Jesus is saying, that when you're connected to the vine, I will give you purpose, I will give you, I will give you meaning. So here's the question for today, and Jesus is gonna answer it, is how do we live a productive life? How do we know if we're living one or not? And I invite you to come and see what Jesus has to say, and it's gonna surprise you. Because Jesus isn't going to tell us in the next few verses, Oh, to live a productive life, it's all about the great career that you have and how much money you make and how many likes you get on Facebook and Instagram. And no, no, it actually has nothing to do with that. Jesus is going to teach us that if you want to live a productive life, it's all about who you're connected to. So here's the first part, write it in your notes. How do we live? I already gave you the answer. But if you're going to live a productive life, number one, you have to stay connected to Christ. You have to stay connected to Jesus. Now, we live in an overly connected world. Isn't that true? Can I, like, just, our phones are with us all the time, Wi-Fi. If it's slower than what we want to, we throw a little fit. Like, we just live in this overly connected world. And I, I'm not preaching at you today. I'm preaching to myself. So there's no shame in this. What I'm about to share with you, I just, I'm trying to be helpful. But I read an article this week that 80% of adults in America check their phone first before they do anything else. Before they brush their teeth, before they go to the bathroom. I mean, where's the hygiene at, people? Like, before we do anything, we roll over and we go to our phones and get our emails and our social media and we start, we start the day. <laughs> A couple weeks ago, I forgot to charge my phone at night. I woke up and there was 2%. You ever had that feeling, right? Like, uh-oh. Like, oh, no problem. I'll get the kids in the car and I'll just charge my phone on the way to the office. I'll get to my office and I'll charge it. No, no big deal. When I get to my car, the charger goes missing, which by the way, I have found out that my wife takes my charger all the time. She takes it and I'm in there. I'm like, oh, oh, sure enough, my phone dies. And I'm like, I have 25 minutes you ever have that feeling, oh, what am I going to miss? Oh, no, I don't have my phone. I drop my kids off. I rush to my office, and I plug my phone into the charger, and I'm waiting for the illuminated apple to light up so I can know that everything's okay in Jesus' name. I have this fear. What I miss? Oh, no. 25 minutes. A lot can happen in 25 minutes. Just to let you know how bad your pastor is, um, Last week, I'm in the middle, it's a study day for me. And I had a lunch appointment and I'm studying and I put a commentary over top of my phone. And I walk out of my office, get in my car and my car will tell me, beep, Bluetooth connected. So it's usually, it's usually my back pocket or my briefcase, no big deal. I get to my car, I pull out and it doesn't do the beep. And I start frantically looking for it. Can't find it anywhere, look at my briefcase. I pull back into the office and I'm like looking for my phone. I can't find it anywhere. You just feel it. You're not, you're, not, you're not connected. I start going through the halls. Somebody call my phone. Somebody call my phone right now. I'm late for a meeting. Somebody call it. Somebody call it. Somebody call it. And they're calling. And like five people are calling. And now nothing's happening, right? Because so many people are trying to call. Like, everybody stop. 
Somebody's like, Pastor, why don't you do the find my phone on your watch? I'm like, this isn't an Apple watch. I don't have that thing. Like, I don't know. Like, and sure enough, we hear finally, zzz, 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 and you're looking everywhere. Everybody's looking for it at that point. And sure enough, it's under the book that I was last using. Don't look at me like I'm the only one who goes through that. <laughs> We've all had those moments. You feel it when you are disconnected. Isn't that true? There's just this feeling. I can't explain it, but it's real. Here, here's, here's my question for us today. In the way that we can feel being disconnected from our devices, could you even feel it if you weren't connected to Jesus? Would you feel that? I mean, I can. There, there are moments that I go through life where I'm like, man, I haven't been praying like I should. I haven't been reading my Bible. I haven't been attending church. I haven't been faithful in a small group. All these types of things that make me, like, I, I, can, I can word it. And you know who else can word that? My kids know when daddy's not being connected to Jesus. They, they wouldn't say that. They can't put language around it, but they would say something like, man, he's super grumpy today. Man, don't go in there. Like, he has no patience for anything. Like, what's his problem? My wife can certainly feel when I'm not connected to Jesus. My coworkers, they know. Ooh, stay away from that guy. He's in a, he's in a mood. L listen to me. As a follower of Jesus, if you claim to be a Christian, it is imperative that you stay connected to Jesus. The branch has a purpose, but the branch only has a purpose when it's connected to the vine. You have to stay connected to Christ. So I gave this to you last week. I hope it's helpful. Some of you have emailed and said, my goodness, this is gonna be a game changer. But I call it the first 15. Don't be legalistic about it. Maybe it's the middle 15 or the last 15, but all I'm saying is if you wanna stay connected to Jesus, Find 15 minutes in your day, 15 minutes. And this is what I'm asking you to do. Five minutes in worship, turn your favorite worship music on, turn off every distraction, allow the music to minister to you. Five minutes in prayer, talking to God, and five minutes reading God's word where God talks to you. Staying connected to Christ. And inevitably, this is what I hear. It's just actually amazing. 15 minutes? Pastor, I don't got time for 15 minutes. You know how busy I am? How many meetings I have to go to? 15 minutes, are you crazy? Oh, you have 15 minutes. I, I, I'm reading, rereading, I should say, this book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I read it two years ago, reading it again. If, if you want a, a summer reading book or get the audible version, this is a book for you. He's a pastor in Portland. And in one of his chapters, he's talking about the need to be connected to Jesus. And I'm just gonna read some of these statistics to you. In Philip Zimbardo's recent research on the demise of guys, that's the article, it's the crisis of masculinity in Western culture. They've concluded that the average guy will spend 10,000 hours playing video games by age 21. 10,000 hours. 
He writes, my mind jumps to the research around this rule. In 10,000 hours, you can master any craft or become an expert in any field. From Sumerian archeology span to Olympic water polo, you could get your bachelor's degree and your master's degree, and you could even memorize the New Testament. Or you can beat level four of Call of Duty. Can you guess how much time the average American spends on social media each year? Now this is written in 2019. It has definitely gone up. But the average American will spend 705 hours a year on social media. That is on average two hours every day. TV, how much does the average American watch TV? I'm not shaming you, I hope this is helpful. 2,737 and a half hours a year. On average, over five hours a day of TV. If this is true, how much more true of it is of our lives with God? What else could we give a thousand of our hours of our year to? In 20 minutes of Candy Crush on our morning commute, we could pray for every single one of our friends and family members. In an hour of TV before bed, we could read through the entire Bible in six months. In a day running errands and shopping for, he says crap, and shopping for crap we really don't need, we could practice the Sabbath, an entire seventh of our lives devoted to rest, worship, and the celebration of the journey through God's good world. But I don't have 15 minutes, Pastor. I can't afford 15 minutes. No, no, no. You can't afford not to spend 15 minutes with the God of this universe, to stay connected to the vine. If you want to produce fruit, friends, we have to stay connected. So I'm asking you, give God the first 15 of your day. Stay connected. Jesus continues in verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, well, I'll be with you. And you're gonna bear much fruit. And then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. What's he saying? That production is all about connection. If you wanna produce, you gotta stay connected. And I read this verse, and I've read this verse before, and I'm always thinking, well, Jesus, that certainly can't be true. Like, apart from me, you can do nothing? I mean, I know a lot of atheists and a lot of non-believing, like non-Christians who do some really good things. They have great non-for-profits, they're feeding the poor. Like, what do you mean they can do nothing? Here's, here's what Jesus means, write this to the side of your notes. Jesus is telling his disciples that apart from me, you can do nothing that will last. Nothing that will last. Right, they can do many great things and it may last for five, 10, 15, 20, maybe even a hundred years. But what Jesus is talking about here, he's saying, apart from me, you will do nothing that will last for eternity. So what, so what lasts in eternity? So you ask, Jared, what, what really matters? Here, here's the thing that matters. I think I put it up there. What matters? Here's the first one. You need to write this in the side. People matter. Things that last forever are people. People matter. This is why this church exists, everybody. 
We don't exist for us. We exist for people who are far from Jesus. Why? Because heaven and hell are real. Which means we have to do everything we can to see people who are far from Jesus accept the free gift of salvation. Why? Because people matter. What else would matter? God's approval matters. His approval matters. One day you will stand before the Lord and you will give an account for how you've lived your one and only life. You will not give an account. This is gonna be helpful for some of you. You will not give an account for the opinions of other people. Can I get an amen, somebody? You're not going to give an account for how many likes on your social media. Well, what about my money? That has to matter. It will not last. We've never seen a U-Haul following a hearst. You cannot take it with you. It does not last. Well, what about my career and my status and my position? Does that matter? It will not last. The only thing that matters is people and God's approval of what you do with the one life that God has given you which is why it's imperative that we stay connected to the vine because when we're connected to the vine, guess what happens? We begin to produce fruit. All throughout the Bible, we're heard of this analogy to produce this fruit. And in Galatians, in the New Testament, Paul actually talks about the type of fruit that you'll be produced in your life. So when you're connected to Jesus, you will produce this type. And it's, I won't, it's not in your notes, but it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If you're connected with Jesus, this will be evident in your life. My kids, they don't need me to read the latest book on how to parent with all the newest techniques. And she's so good and he's so good, like you're gonna learn a lot. My kids don't need that. Do you wanna know what my kids need? They need a Holy Spirit, like filled Jared with patience and love and joy and self-control and long suffering. Your kids don't need more church. Your kids need a Holy Spirit filled you. I'm gonna bring you to the church, let the church solve it. I'll bring you to a Christian school and let them solve it, no. Your kids need to see you passionately connected to the vine and you're producing this fruit in your life. Amanda, she doesn't need me to take the trash out more. I'm sure she'd really appreciate that, but that's not what she needs. She needs a husband who is connected to the vine, who will love her unconditionally, just like Christ loves the church, who will be long suffering with her and gentle and faithful and full of goodness. My coworkers don't need me to walk into every room and solve every problem and be creative and come up with great strategies. What they need more than any of that is a boss and a pastor who is kind and faithful and has peace in his life. How connected are you to Christ these days? What fruit is evident? The only way to produce fruit is to stay connected to the vine. And what Jesus says in verse six and seven, if you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers, you die. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. 
but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, and this is a great verse to put on your refrigerator, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And all of us are like, woo! I cracked open the fortune cookie and I get whatever I want and I can rub Jesus' belly like a genie and poof, all the things that I asked for will come to pass. No, no, no. Read the context. The verses ahead, the verses below. Knowing who is God the Father. God the Father in this passage is the gardener. Well, what does the gardener do? The gardener plants the seed. The gardener pulls out the weeds. He prunes the bushes. And when you are connected to the vine and the heavenly father is doing these things, you will be praying different prayers and ultimately you will be producing the fruit that he wants you to produce in your life. Which is why I love how David says this in Psalm one, that person that we're talking about, that's like a tree that's planted by the streams of water. You're getting the nutrients that you need. It's just this ongoing thing, which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. Let me ask you the question one more time. How connected to Jesus are you these days? If you're gonna live a productive life, here's number two, you have to understand this principle that pain can be the pathway to more production. That pain can be the pathway to more production. Here's, here's what I mean by this. Go back to verse one and two. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now I'm not a tree. <laughs> But I can imagine that the pruning process is painful. It hurts. And what Jesus is saying is that there is a purpose in the pain, that he doesn't waste it. That if you're producing fruit in your life, that there will be seasons of your life where you will go through pain. Why? Because this is ultimately the pathway to more production. He's using this to produce more fruit in your life. And, and I know when we talk about pain, like, whoa, I didn't know that. Like, really? I thought you'd come to faith in Jesus and everything is good and all your prayers are answered and now you're talking about pain? Like, come on, what, what's all this about? I thought Jesus' way was easy. And some of you are in the room and you're like, Ooh, that's me. You would self-diagnose right now that you're in a season of pain. Maybe with the year we've all gone through, like there's people in your life that are no longer here. You're in that relationship discourse and it's difficult and it's ultimately leading to a place where you know it will end and these moments in your life are painful. You're here, you're online, you've been praying for somebody who's far from Jesus Maybe it's a wayward kid and you would just admit, Jared, it's painful. In my experience, there's different groups of people when they go through pain. And you could be going through the same exact thing or something similar as somebody else. Maybe it's relational, financial, emotional, mental, whatever it is, this moment of pain. 
And there's ultimately a group of people who will be like, you know, God, this is painful, this is difficult, but, but I'm trusting you with this. I, I trust that you do have a greater purpose, even what I can't see. So God, would you use this for your glory and for my good? Would you use this pain? And ultimately what happens is God brings a harvest. He produces more. It may not be exactly how we thought or how we prayed it, but it ultimately brings fruit. And then there's others who are going through the same circumstance and they go through it and they say, this is way too hard. I'm done, I'm out. And they check out on God, they check out on relationships and they just say, if God really loved me, he wouldn't allow this to happen in my life. And there's another group of people that just think, whoa, I knew it. God was just waiting for me to mess up so he could, bam, drop the hammer. I knew it. And usually those are the people that have a bad church experience. They were taught wrong about the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is not trying to get you today. In fact, the author of Hebrews tells us this, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. You're a good parent when you bring discipline. You're a lousy parent if you don't discipline at all. It's really easy to say, sure, do that, go for it. Yeah, no problem, no problem, no problem. I have more important things to do, just get out of my way. That's really easy to do that. It's really difficult to bring the discipline. No, you can't hang out with that person. No, you can't go there. No, you're not going to do this. Why as a parent, why do we do those things? because we love our kids, because we're protecting them. We're keeping them from danger. So when God brings discipline and correction in our life, he's not doing it from a place of dominance. He's doing it from a place of love. And, it's a, and he punishes, that happens from time to time, each one that he accepts as his child. And you're in the room and that's exactly where you are. Maybe you're going through a season of pain because of some decisions that you've made. And you would say, I'm in a moment of discipline and a moment of punishment. Listen to me. If you allow it, if you allow it, God can bring this season of pain and he can produce more and better fruit. That the mistakes of your past, the pain, do not have to define you. I believe this with all of my heart, that God doesn't wanna cut you off, but he might wanna cut something out. Maybe it's anger. Maybe he's trying to cut this anger out of your life and he's brought you to this moment to do just that. Maybe it's pride. You don't listen to anybody, you think you have the answer for everything and God has brought you to this moment to humble you. Maybe you finally got caught and he's brought you to this moment to get rid of this nasty addiction that's destroying your life. Maybe it's pornography, overeating, overdrinking. Maybe that's exactly what God wants to do to cut out. Why? Not to punish you. He's doing this so he can produce more fruit in you because of his great love for each and every one of us. He doesn't leave us where we are, but he has a great future and a great purpose. If you wanna live a productive life, you have to understand that the pain that you are going through, if you can allow it, God can ultimately bring more fruit from it.
So how about it today, church? What does God need to cut out of your life? All of us have something. What does he need to cut out? And what would it look like for you to say, before I reach for my phone, <laughs> before I jump on the news cycle, turn on the TV, I'm gonna spend the first 15 with my God. I'm gonna stay connected to the vine. Because in that moment, that's where you find your meaning. That's why, where you find your purpose. And it's ultimately where you find your joy. So with every head bowed in the room and online, I'm gonna encourage you to turn off every distraction. I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today. And some of you, maybe you, this just touches really deep and you know there's some things that God wants to cut out. Allow the work to be done. Open up your heart. Confess it to the Lord right where you are. Come on, do that now. Holy Spirit, you're, you're bringing healing today. Some of the dark areas of our soul, we're opening them up to you. And we're gonna lay them on the floor. We're not picking it up again. That nasty pride, the ridiculous anger, the selfish behavior. Cut it out. We give it to you. Now fill us with your grace and your mercy. And thank you that you bring moments like this. Because ultimately you want us to produce more fruit. Holy Spirit, thank you for touching hearts today. In the room, together as a church, online, where we commit to connecting to the vine. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. So we don't wanna go our own way anymore. We don't wanna manufacture and manipulate things all by ourselves. Lord, we lay it aside. We put you first. We give it to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, some of you are in the room and you would just say, Pastor, like there's never been a time in my life where I've even given my heart to God. And today, you know you need to. The Holy Spirit is speaking. And today, in this moment, you need to say yes to him. If that's you, pray this prayer, right? Right after me, just repeat it, put it in your own words. Just say it this way. Say, today, God, I'm sorry. I am sorry for going my own way, keeping you at a distance. But today, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. Say, hold nothing back. Come live inside of me. Make me the person you long for me to be. Say, today, I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Tell him that. So today I live for you. So Holy Spirit, we do. We thank you for saving people today. Thank you for those who prayed that prayer, those who maybe prayed this prayer as a recommitment. Lord, you know right where they are today. And we just say thank you. Thank you for the great work that you've done in our hearts and in our lives today, God. We honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hey, church, will you celebrate with me those who just said yes to Jesus, either in the room and online? Like, way to go.
Hey, if, if you prayed that prayer, take a moment and fill out the connection card that's inside the worship guide. If you're in the room, just take a moment, fill it out, and then drop it in any of the offering boxes as you leave. Online, fill out the connection card. It's the same hassle-free guarantee. We're never gonna come knocking on your door. We simply just wanna give you some really clear next steps. Uh, our next steps here at Trinity is the thing that we call the growth track. It's a four-step process that helps you discover your purpose, make a difference. Now, today is the last day of the growth track for this month, but June 1st, the first weekend of June, uh, we'll kick it off again. So if that's you, come to the 9.30 service and then stick around. Your kids have the same great children's programming. Uh, they'll love it the second time, I promise. Um, and you can stick around and join us in the growth track to help you take your next step here here at Trinity. Um, and church, we're gonna continue to worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited to do that today? I know you are. Uh, we serve a give first God, so we're gonna be a give first people. So however you give, in the boxes in the back, online, in the church app, uh, thank you so much for your continued and amazing generosity here at Trinity Church. Hey, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet all over the room. I wanna pray a blessing over you. Um, and if you're brand new today, this is your first time hanging out with us. Uh, my wife and I will be down front for just a few moments after the service. I'd love to introduce myself and welcome you here today. And today, if you're in the room and you need prayer for any reason, uh, we'll have prayer partners down front that would love to pray with you and to pray for you. Don't be ashamed of that. The first service, there's many people who came up for prayer and we would be our honor today to pray for you, any need that you may, that you may have. Let me pray a blessing. God, thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for what you've done in the room today and online. Thank you for saving people. And now I pray that as we leave today that we will have the most amazing Sunday afternoon that we've ever had and the Suns will beat the Lakers. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, I love you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.